Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Our adventure today takes us to Milwaukee. We're talking with Paul B. Paul is, among many things, uh, we're currently the vice president of ticket sales and service with the Milwaukee Bucks. Paul B., great talking to you. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to be here. Uh, you know, a lot of folks in the EAMC universe uh, are very familiar with you, but a lot of new folks in the industry since then. And let's start with you kind of come to your uh, venue land with a different experience than a lot of folks. So my first question for you right off the bat is why in the world would anybody want to do ticket sales and service? Yeah, that, that's a fantastic question. Well, a lot of marketing people ask that. I don't mean that disrespectfully, yeah. but yeah. it's just, you know, you you come to it from such a different mindset than so many people in this industry. Yeah, no, agreed. And I think a lot of us in the industry ask ourselves the same question sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the beginning of way back when, you know, coming out of school, it, it wasn't something I was thinking about, you know, when I was in school at the time. It's like I wanted to be in sports. I wanted to be in entertainment and didn't even know that sales is an avenue. So like many, you know, I was told you got to get an internship. And I stumbled upon an internship where I was a group sales intern uh, for a minor league baseball team, a class A field of the Tigers, the West Michigan Whitecaps. And, you know, I learned a lot. One that I, I fell in love with the behind the scenes of everything going on with the game itself, because we all know this, the athletes and the actual game, the score or whatnot. But I never thought about everything going on behind the scenes. So that really intrigued sure. me. I think you you guys know me well. You know, I don't mind talking to people. And then when I realized that I could combine meeting and talking people uh, with sales and getting people to actually come out and enjoy themselves, it really hit because, you know, there's there's so many things that people think of when they think of like a salesman or saleswoman. Right. And, you know, I, I had the same connotation. But then when I realized that I'm not selling mortgages, I'm not selling life insurance or things like that, which are important and you need those things. But I'm selling entertainment, you know, I'm, I'm giving people an opportunity to enjoy themselves. When I first saw that direct correlation of, you know, me calling a company or a company calling in me, helping them find the game, the food package, the tickets, the swag item, whatever, um, and the joy that could come from that, like, all right, that, that's cool. Like, this is something I could really get behind. Um, so when I saw that and realized that sales is essentially connecting with people, and once I realized that you just have to be genuinely interested in people and talking, I can help anybody, you know, and, and I know not everybody's going to buy everything. I, I was naive early on. You know, I thought I could sell everything to everybody, which is definitely not the case. But understanding that it was just providing an opportunity for people to have a good time and to get away from reality a little bit. Like there, there's nothing better than that when you get to see that. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because I think so many people are in this business because we love giving people one of the best nights of their of their life. We have best night of the year. You know, it's when you go when you go to one of these events, often it becomes. I mean, yes, there are season ticket holders who come all the time, right? But right. there are certain people who, like me, I didn't have much money growing up. And we went to a few games now and again. And and you know, we'd end up uh I remember my dad taking me to downtown Chicago to see a game. And boy, those events, they just really stuck with you as some of your some of your best days ever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to see my first pro game, my first actual pro game. Was I saw minor league soccer, I think, when Detroit had a team way back when. 
soccer wasn't my thing, so I wasn't that blown away. But when I saw my first uh, preseason game in college, actually, uh, I think it was the Bulls and the Pistons in, in Grand Rapids at Van Andel. And uh, being that close, seeing those guys for the first time, like live and in action right there in front of me, it was it was monumental. And I, I was hooked at that point. I've always been a basketball fan, but same as you. Like, we were in Kalamazoo, so we didn't we weren't near a big city to really go see a lot of professional games. And it wasn't something that was on our, our budget, you know, to be thinking about anyway. So it's just to get that opportunity to people is, is amazing. You're right. And I think people think of sales often as this kind of selling the big sweets, but you really hit on it too. Sometimes it's just really doing that outreach to people to make them understand that they can come to these games. Like maybe they're not as expensive as they think they are. You know, there's sort of this, if you are this casual fan or this, you know, person that maybe doesn't have as much money, they might think, Oh my gosh, NBA tickets. Those are, you know, I'm never going to go to a game. And so sometimes it's just really making that connection with them and say, you know, what are you looking for in your, you know, experience And also, you know, maybe it is a lot more affordable than you think it is. And then, you know, you're able to come to a game and it can really make this mark on your life, just as you all mentioned with your first one. So, you know, it's I think it serves a big role in that regard beyond just any sort of like upsales or anything. Absolutely. I mean, you guys know it like better than anybody. It's it's you creating not just fans for life with sports teams, but you're creating people that are going to now have that affinity towards that, that music group, that concert, that show, um, or even just that arena or venue, like they're going to remember that forever and forever. That's going to be something they're going to always be thinking about when they're looking for other options to, to stay involved. So it's a powerful thing. Paul, there's a lot of people listening right now that maybe they're, you know, they're new to the industry. And I know a lot of people get into the industry from the ticket sales side of things, or there's people who are in marketing and they're kind of flirting with the idea of, you know what, maybe I'm going to grow my career by heading over to the, you know, the, the, the ticket sales side of things. So for those people, what can they expect in that world? What is, what is a day like for you? Yeah. So as, as sales rep, you know, when it, back in the day when I was on the phone more actively, it is a lot of phone calls, right? I think that is one thing that, that people sometimes kind of miss when we talk about sales, but we always engage. We always tell people and challenge them like, we don't want, I don't want to see you in the office all day. Nowadays, a little bit different with COVID and everything, but if you can get out and about, if you can go to their office, you can go, you know, for coffee, have a lunch meeting. Like we want that. And honestly, the best sales tool we have is our arena. So how powerful is it where you get to bring somebody through a 18,000 person venue when nobody's there? Like it's dead silent. You can imagine everything. You can see what the court is. Imagine, you know, Giannis going up for dunk. Like all those things are really powerful. So I think a day in the life, it's setting up your day where you're prospecting because, yes, we provide lists, but we also train for people to kind of hunt on their own. Um, companies are, are some of the most beneficial um, because, you know, they have budgets. They have you know items that they can spend. It's not so much out of pocket. So it's a whole different kind of conversation over talking to a mom and dad about their budget that they're doing, you know, on discretionary income over a company who budgets for these kind of outings and, and opportunities. A lot of cold calls, a lot of setting up. It's really making introductions, trying to connect with them on a different level. You know, we're, we're not for everybody, but if they can understand that no matter what from that phone call, you're going to leave better off from it. Like at the very least, everybody wants that person. I got a car guy, I got a mechanics guy, I got a, I got an entertainment guy. Like now I got that guy or that girl that's at Pfizer form or with the bucks, um, at the very least they ever need anything. So I think it's just understanding why you're calling, getting through those, the more appointments you set up, the better, but then it's just making sure you're organized. The more organized you are, the better to make sure that you're selling, to make sure that you're getting in front of people. And obviously we have goals. So keeping all those things front of mind. So every day is different. It's extremely fast paced. 
you all know when, when there's concerts and shows, you, you're going to be there. Um, if there's games, we're going to be there. Um, and it really just depends on what actual team you're on and what your focus point is between group sales, season ticket sales, our premium folk, and people that kind of do a, a combination of all that. So it's, it's a lot of talking, uh, a lot more no's and yes. But once you understand that they're not saying you no to you as a person, it's just maybe not the right fit for them at that time. And sometimes no doesn't mean no. It's just you got to say persevering and understanding that, all right, all the, the 40 no's I just got, if I just had one good conversation, that's actually a successful day. And if enough of those build up, then then you, you're plowing down you know goals, you're plowing down revenue coming in because you, you set yourself up for success. And then what's a game day like for you? You know, obviously, you know, you're in a kind of a different role there as the as the VP uh, ticket sales. But so what what do you have to do on a, on a game day, especially, you know, with with so many games during the season? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to have a pretty big sales and service team. Um, so we divide and conquer numerous levels. So like our group sales team, they have fan experience packages, our FEPs, we call them, where somebody could be doing pregame court time. They could be doing the national anthem, the color guard, um, you know, shout out to the groups team here at the Bucks. Um, or, you know, as the game gets started, I have my membership team, um, the service team who actually has an area dedicated for full season members so they can if they need something they have a question right now in the middle of renewal time which is kind of their playoff time for them where we're going back to all the members and make sure that you know finding out how was your experience this year how is it being part of the bucks family um assuming and hoping everything's good let's talk about re-upping for next year's make sure you stay in tune to make sure you're not missing any of the perks any of the playoff opportunities so on and so forth um our premium folk um they've done a great job selling out our suite level in the different premium areas they're, they're circling the suite area. They're circling the floor, checking all the club areas that we had to make sure food's where it needs to be, no ticketing issues. Um, and then myself, my management team, the leadership team, we're basically on deck just to make sure that everything's flowing smoothly. If there's a disgruntled member, if there's a disgruntled single game purchaser or a group leader, you know, that's usually when I get kind of thrown into, you know, have the conversation, see if we can rectify the situation. Or most of the time, people just want to be heard. You know, if something doesn't go right, you know, we don't just say, oh, we got your money. Good luck. It's all right. Well, what happened? Let me explain if I can, you know, what might have happened on the back end and to ensure that we don't want this taste to be the last thing you remember. Let's make sure moving forward, we fix it. And, and at least now, you know, kind of what maybe needs to happen next time and how we can always work to do better, too. So it's all about the experience of the fan from my sales reps to the ushers to the ticket takers. Everybody's a part of that game day experience, even though we do a big thing here where, uh, you know, when people leave the game, win or lose, like we're, we're high five and we're saying thank you for coming, like every single person on the way out to make sure if that's the last thing they remember in the building, it's a, it's a lasting memory that's a positive one. Even if the outcome wasn't what we wanted it to be, people want to have a good time throughout. Obviously, working for the Bucks, you guys have had a little success over the last <laughs> year. Yeah. Uh, I've seen maybe, I don't know, one or 40 photos that you posted of you with a ring, um, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, but I'm sure the pressure is probably in a different spot. You know, it's not so much uh, how do we sell to a team that might be underperforming and more so how do we take advantage of a team that's really at the top of its game and make sure that we leverage this to where, you know, we're not, you know, we may always be up here, but, you know, how do we leverage the success to set us up for, you know, future seasons? And, you know, what has that been like kind of, adapting as the team's success kind of ebbs and flows? Yeah, it's been interesting. It's, it's a great question. It's that, you know, 
we kept hearing, all right, you guys are champions. Like we're champions. We should just want to do anything and everything and ask whatever we want now because we're at the we're at the peak. But it's, it's, it's a combination of that, right? Like you want to be able to capitalize on the success in the championship year. But at the same time, like you said, that could change in seconds. And, and oftentimes it does where you also don't want to alienate your fan base. You want to outprice, you know, your, the, the, the fan base that's here. You know, Milwaukee, it's, it's it's a smaller market, right? We're not LA, we're not New York, Miami, where it seems there's endless amounts of income at all times. So we have to be cognizant of that. And, and I know you guys know Dustin well, and he's on here a couple months ago. Like we work hand in hand with marketing to make sure that, you know, yeah, we can say we want to go have the craziest revenue records across the board, but we're never going to get to New York level, right? We're never going to get to LA level where, you know, we're outpricing people because yeah, we might be able to get a good portion of that this year, but anything but another championship and all those people are out the door because people remember that and loyal fan base, the ones that are going to last forever. So that's what we ensure that we keep group tickets, right? Could we have said, yeah, we're going to sell way more season tickets and, and not really folks that care about groups or partial plans. Sure. Or single game buyers. Sure. But it's just not the right thing to do. We want to give everybody the opportunity to get in Pfizer form to experience what's going on as possible. And that's from the single game, the one person buying a, a $25, $35 ticket to, you know, the, the corporation that just re-upped for their floor seats. Anybody in between is important to us. So I think it's really playing that game of making sure that we're thinking of everyone. So it's like the middle ground, capitalize on the championship as much as you can, but also make sure you're still preparing for the future where, yeah, you can leverage some things. Um, some of the contracted areas make a little more sense to, to be creative with. Um, some of the group ticketing, you can do a little more creative or partial plans, but we still have to have them in some degree. And there's definitely a ceiling um, on some of those opportunities where you don't want to go crazy because you go too crazy and lose a lot of people. And then the one day is only, it's only a matter of time, right? The off year comes, then we're going to be looking around saying, how do we get everybody back? And they're going to remember, people don't forget, right? They're going to remember that one. Yeah. We burned them and they say, well, yeah, I remember you guys. You know, forget you guys. I, I went on to go support a different team. Right. So you mentioned Fiserv a few times, but, you know, for a lot of us, uh, we've not had the chance to visit yet. Tell us all about Fiserv Forum. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love it. And it's one of those things where I got to get, when I got here four years ago, Fiserv Forum was on the tail end of the construction period. So I got to see enough where I had to wear the PPE and the hard hats and, and the goggles and all that stuff and seeing it kind of finalize and come to fruition. In my opinion, it's one of the, I think it's, I'm biased, but I think it's one of the nicest buildings I've had. And when I say that, it's the fan experience because a lot of arenas, stadiums you go into now, for example, if you're on the concourse, you really don't know what's going on with the game outside of seeing a TV one or two as you're walking around getting your popcorn and and, and your hot dog. But at Pfizer Forum, there's so much open space in the concourses that you still feel a part of it. Like, And I've never seen an arena that had that much open space. I think... Uh, Golden One Center's close. They have a lot of open space, too, on Sacramento. But it reminds me of that arena a little bit, um, where even if you're not in your seat, you're still hearing the game. You can still see the jumbo trying to what's going on. Um, you hear the crowds, so you know things are going well or maybe not in our, in our favor at that point. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts. I think also the fact that, you know, the perception is, is reality, right? So in our arena, there are only a few rows where you actually have to go up into a seat. You know what I mean by that? In the main concourse, all seats are going down. In the 200 level, which I haven't seen before, when you come off from the main concourse in the 200 level, you still have to go down in your seat. So technically, the last row in the building is right at the level you're walking out onto. So just the feeling of you don't have to climb, because you hear everybody say it, right? The nosebleeds, right? We hate saying, we don't say that in sales, by the way, but uh, <laughs> nosebleeds, right? 
You have to climb up to go to your seat. Just that perception, you don't have to climb anything outside of a few sections. I was pretty powerful and it is really well done and things that I would not have thought about up until I saw it. Um, so even though you're getting people, you know, the, the highest point, they love it. Um, but our Panorama Club, the very top of the building, unique area, and that's the actual top highest point in the building you can get to. But then you go on the other side of it, you go outside, there's actual outdoor deck that oversees the city. He's the Panorama of the city, hence the name Panorama Club for now. So wow. some of the highlight spots and just the grand entrance, the atrium, um, the deer district surrounding it. it. It's just a good the deer district. Yeah, the deer district. Absolutely. It's, it's all right there. Tell us about the deer district. Oh, it's an awesome, it's an awesome area. Um, it's, it's kind of the entertainment hub in Milwaukee right now. And, and what I mean by that, we have a plaza. Um, we've got the Mecca. Uh, which is owned and operated by uh, Pfizer Forum, the Bucks, uh, where it's got the biggest uh, screen TV in the, in the city. Um, it's kind of like, I call it like a, um, like a, a sports bar mixed with the sock exchange. Like you just see sports tickers and TVs all over the place. Like it's almost overload how much you can get into when you're there. We have the, uh, we have Good City Brewery, which is also uh, on the Deer District and, and a couple other restaurants and a beer garden outdoors. So the point is to, be there and have a reason to be in the area at all times. So whether it's a venue or an, uh, an opportunity, a game, a concert, a show happening at Firestar Forum or not, uh, regular times we activated a ton in Deer District. I remember we had Lobster Fest. We had all kinds of uh, the Chris Kringle Market, Chris Kindle Market in there, or people going in, getting your holiday items and whatnot. So the more we can activate, the more people that are in downtown, the more it just is just a joy to be around with the river a couple blocks away from it. Lake Michigan, only 10 minutes from there. Like everything is here and we try to activate as much as possible. Uh, this is a bold idea, but have you thought about actually introducing live deer into the deer district? <laughs> um, and I'm not sure how you could angle this with sales, but uh, uh, maybe like catch a live deer, get a Jägermeister crossover there or something. Yeah, crossover with Jägermeister. <laughs> I mean, I love that. If we could pet a deer, feed a deer, some kind of petting zoo, of some degree. I mean, you're welcome. You're welcome. Like, Thank don't you. get an award. It's okay. Uh, yeah, tell Dustin about it, and you guys can, you know, put me in the liner notes. Fair. No, we'll definitely do that. And uh, maybe we'll name one after you, Paul. And says, this is okay, Hooper, that's good. Hooper, Hooper, uh, Hooper Court. We can try to get that going. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Milwaukee a big spot, but a lot of people, it's, it's not a vacation destination for a lot of people, right? So talk to us about Milwaukee and what is Milwaukee in, in 2022? Milwaukee in 2022 is going to come full circle. And I, same thing, I knew nothing about Milwaukee or Wisconsin. Um, but when we moved here, I will tell you, it's been nothing but a pleasant surprise. Like take winter out of it because winter's winter. You can't escape. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Right? Once you take winter out of it and the spring comes around, like the people come out and there's so much to do in the city that I would never imagine. I, I think some have dubbed us the uh, festival capital uh, of the country. And, and so when I got here, people told me, you know what, there's festivals all the time. And then I was like, all right, cool. What is that? A couple of times a month, every other month. That, that's cool. Everyone knows about Summerfest. It's a two and a half week long outdoor festival, which is amazing. I was like, okay, yeah, some yeah. things in there. But no, literally in the normal world, which I can't wait to get back to, there's literally a festival every single weekend and it can be from Irish fest to Hispanic fest to summer fest to all kinds of different things. Things for kids, things for middle-aged beer fest, things for older and adults only anything in between. So whatever you're looking for, all you have to do is Google what's going on in Milwaukee this weekend and there's somewhere to go. 
And I really underestimated that because I, I didn't get it. They literally meant every weekend and it, and it was gospel. Um, but then outside of that, I mean, you, you got trails for miles. You can bike, you can get into nature if you want to. You got Lake Michigan right there. So beaches, like nobody ever thinks that there's beaches here in Milwaukee. We actually have two, two main ones and a couple other smaller ones you can get to. It's kind of got the best of all worlds, whether you're a nature person, you're a city person, um, just enjoying festivals and, and getting involved with, with different opportunities to celebrate and have fun. It's got a little bit of everything. And what I also really love is they utilize the river really well here, um, which I didn't know there was even a river in Milwaukee. But, you know, you can kayak, you can rent pontoon. I've rented a number of pontoons, so I like to call myself an unofficial captain every now and then, but it's, it's a good time. It's definitely on our list of cities we'd like to visit with uh, the marketing conference, so uh, I, I've heard heard lots of great things, and, and hopefully we'll get to check it out uh, one day. You know, you and I have worked together uh, on the conference along with uh, with uh, Paul Hooper uh, for years, uh, and you've been a big supporter. Um, and one of the things that you know we definitely connected on quite a bit over these past couple of years have been the challenges with the pandemic. Uh, and uh, uh, at uh, Tim Lewicki recently at the uh, the Polestar conference announced the pandemic is over, right? And, and, you know, and, and we'd like that to be the case for sure. But here's the question for you, Paul B. I know from talking to you, it was not an easy go uh, for you, for the position that you're in. And these past couple of years have had a lot of challenges. Walk through us uh, with a little bit of, of your uh, your adventures through the uh, the pandemic in these past couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like forever going yesterday at the same time. Um, right. And it was unique opportunity, you know, across the board. And I think for me, my biggest concern throughout the whole thing, obviously outside of my, my family's well-being and myself, of course, was just my reps, right? My my staff, right? We have you know, up to 50 of us as far as reps, managers, and leaders included, that we just had to figure out what do we do from here? And the thing that we we came together, the leadership team, and decided that we had to make sure we tried to take, keep everybody engaged, right? Some teams went straight training mode. Some teams went, we're just going to research and recoup and, and think of things differently. But we, we made a decision that, you know, we're not going to stop because we had a feeling that there's a possibility and people already murmuring right early where, you know, furloughs and layoffs and things could be possible. I mean, you had to think about it as, as a company, right? And we want to make sure that we made it very hard for anybody to think that, that we should do that. So we didn't stop. And what I mean by that is we we didn't stop trying to sell. And when I mean that, it's not calling, asking for credit cards anymore. We had to retrain and refocus our entire staff and saying, listen, the phone calls are different now. Now it's saying, hey, you know, Dave, listen, I'm I'm at home. You know, I have a little more time to kind of think, Big picture, slow down a little bit. I just want to call and check on you. Like, what's going on with you? What's your situation? How are you doing? How are you feeling? And and make sure you're good. And then make sure you remember my name. Because um, right now, you know, you remember who I'm with. I'm five or four in the bucks. But you know what? I just want you to remember my name. So when things get better and things turn around, we can then talk about getting back to normal. Because how cool is it going to be? Or maybe that first time we're back in a crowd, you're with us. So keep us in mind. Let me know if you need anything. Give my name and number. Like, it was the, the call shifted. And I think what we we found is that people kind of just wanted to talk about anything but the pandemic. People want to talk about anything but, you know, being furloughed or laid off. So I think showing the empathy, talking to somebody that's not trying to, you know, bulldoze through the pandemic and act like it doesn't exist, but being real, because we were affected. People were at home. We weren't in our office. We weren't at the games. Like, we were affected, too. Just being real about it was, was a pretty powerful thing. And I think what I love the most about it was, like, looking at our staff right now, how we all band together and supported one another. Because everybody was affected differently, right? Then you throw in social injustice and then everything else going on with that. There was a multitude of things. And the thing that made me most proud of just being with this team and this organization is how everybody really band together 
to support one another, um, to have open and real discussion. It was very uplifting. And, and I think it was what got us all through it, to be honest with you, because uh, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else trying to, trying, to, trying to get through these tough times. But we did it together and, and we came out OK on the other end. And uh, it made it that much more sweet. We were able to get back to, together to, to start doing what we do best. So are you and your team all back in the office five days a week now? Yeah, back in the office five days a week. Um, we had a quick, uh, you know, option during the holidays. Things kind of went negative in the other way for us. But yeah, we're all back now and, and hopefully for good. Um, but yeah, we, we've been we've been maintaining pretty well. Uh, you know, you, you touched on the, the social justice issues and uh that compounding uh, with the with the pandemic and everything, and you and I had several conversations over over the years. But one of the things that one of the reasons why um, I like to pick up the phone and call you is because uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have been true leaders, not just in the arena side of things, but nationally, just in, in sparking conversations. And so, talk to me about the Bucks and and kind of why that's been important for the Bucks organization and being lucky enough to have a team that understands the importance of being in the forefront of that conversation. Yeah, you know, David, I remember those conversations, even in you too, Paul, and in that those conversations meant the world. And and I never thought that I'll be able to have that same kind of conversation with the leader of our, our team, right? Peter Fagan had had numerous conversations with him. My boss had numerous conversations with them. And I had the backing of an organization that was standing up for the right thing, right? Because um, here, you know, Peter always says, culture outweighs business practice. And I kind of felt in many organizations and companies period, it's kind of the opposite of that. Um, so that's somebody not just say it, but eat, sleep and breathe it was powerful. It meant everything to me. And honestly, when, when the team, you know, uh, sat out for the game, the playoff game to start the, what ended up being a worldwide movement in sports. Yeah. Um, that honestly was like one of the most proud moments in, in my career um, to say that I'm, I'm with this organization that literally doesn't care about money loss, doesn't care about wins and losses. It's what the right thing to do is. And, and, and having, you know, everything hit so close to home down in Kenosha and, and even not that far away in Minneapolis, like it was, it felt like it was surrounding us. So to have a company that stood up and said, listen, this is what we stand for. We are unapologetic about it. And we will say what we think is the right thing and lead it. And honestly, it was one of those things where we had a big meeting where it's like, you know, we have to get our own house in order as well before we can affect what's going on around the city, around the state, around the country. Uh, so it wasn't just like we just going to affect everything immediately. Like you have to crawl before you can walk. And it was very quick and decisive actions on that. And nobody, you know, faltered, nobody second guessed it. It's like, all right, you're in or you're not. And if you're not, hey, I mean, that's that's it's your prerogative. Like it's what you feel. Um, and, and there were some tough decisions I think people had to make. And, and that's unfortunate. But the overwhelming support to making sure that people were OK, that there was a voice that could be heard, um, that there's an ear that would listen. And then, all right, here are the action steps we're going to take. And the beautiful thing is it uh, and we talked about we we're talking about EMC, like how are we going to make these things sustain and really last? I love that we have not checked a box here. Everything here is about making sure that what the changes we are making, what we're trying to affect for the better are going to be here throughout. And, and, it, and it's maintained that way. And, and we're still talking about things that aren't, aren't where we need them to be yet. We're continuing to push for it. And now, because we're in a better situation as a company, as far as diversity, inclusion, and doing the right thing, now we can start impacting our surrounding footprint a little bit better. Um, and that's what I love about EAMC too, because I know that, you know, talking to you, Dave and Paul and others within the group, you know, where we're trying to do similar things. And that, that has just been, it makes going through these difficult times that we've had in the past two years, a little bit easier to maintain because you realize that there are people that understand. And even if they don't understand, they're willing to learn, they're willing to listen and help. And that, that's just, 
it means everything. And so it was, it was, a, it was a crazy good year, hard year, but all the same. I can't imagine if I was anywhere else going through it. I just love using that platform. I think, you know, teams or athletes, unfortunately, catch a lot of flack sometimes because people look to sports and concerts as a release. And so when they, when they think of that, for whatever reason, they, they don't want that tied to politics or they don't want it tied to social justice. And I think that's, you know, a mistake, but it's also something that is a wasted opportunity when you have a platform and can affect a lot of people to use it, to help educate people and to, you know, work with the community to elevate, you know, everyone's voice and impact. And I think even beyond what the team did, like on social justice, I know you all were really, really engaged with like voting and, you know, voter registration and kind of like, you know, better informing the city on the importance of voting and, you know, getting that out. So I just think it's amazing that the team, the staff, everyone has really put that much value on being more than just this entertainment platform. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I think the 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 aftermath of that is that we've had so many talented individuals, you know, from all corners of the world, all shapes and forms and of background, um, remember that and saw it. So when I'm recruiting, you know, a new sales class each year, like right now, top to bottom, we have our most diverse sales and servicing we've ever had in Bucks history, like by far. Not quite where we need to be yet, but by far, as far as women, uh, diverse ethnicities, the whole nine yards, um, it's beautiful to see. And, and so I think showing having an organization that, again, unapologetically stood up for the right thing and, and was not quiet about it, that students are seeing that. Younger folk are seeing, young professionals are understanding there's more than just the job, money, title, et cetera. Sometimes about to make sure that when, when things hit the fan like they did over the past couple of years, You've got a company that's going to have your back in some degree, shape, or form for the right thing, while still being able to be an individual and, and believe what you what you want. Um, but it's, it's helped out across the board with recruiting for us too, and it's it's showing dividends. It's been great. Paul, you know, uh, through all this, of course, you and I uh, and some other folks have worked hard to kind of get things off with a, uh, and you are heading things up as our VP for our DEI committee with EAMC, and you know, we we talked that you know. We want to have that change happen, but we understand there's sometimes we have to, it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like it, but there's so many ways that we can do that from, you know, working with minority owned businesses to, you know, one of my big goals, which is encouraging, you know, young people to get into the business and and finding ways to help them get into the business. I know you also work as the president of uh, black sports professional Milwaukee chapter. Uh, So Tell me about kind of why this is, you know, and, and, and let's, let's, let's also just say, cause I know you shared on social, you take your kids out, right? You involve your kids. So from, so you've got uh, a daughter and a son, uh, Kennedy and Jackson, right? And so this is important to you in every aspect of your life. And you found so many ways to, to make that change happen, uh, or at least to, to get it started. And, and so, so why, why is that so important to you personally? Yeah, it's a passion of mine because I, I was lucky and blessed to kind of stumble upon this industry, unbeknownst like where it would take me. Because I, I could say it's given me so much in my life, right? Able to ability to start a family, ability to even find my wife, like through the industry, you know, in in a, in a longer story. But for me, it's a passion because there's so many amazing people in the world, like just brilliant people that can make such a, a good impact on in a numerous amount of ways that have no idea 
that this industry is even something you can get into as a career. Again, I stumbled into it, but I very easily could have went, you know, corporate America or any other thing as a career starting point. So for me, it's been, I want to open up as many doors as possible. And not everybody's going to want to be a salesperson, right? Everybody's going to want to be a marketer, but at least they understand that this is an option. And then those that can see the opportunity and, and really find a knack for it, like that, that's, that's what the, the, the name of the game is. So for me, it's seeing people like you, right? I didn't, you know, when I first got started with sales, um, there weren't many. It took me a long time to find, uh, you know, a, a black man in leadership position, um, even longer time to find a black woman that was in leadership position. Um, and that's, that's grown, you know, over the years, but it, obviously it's, it's still not where it needs to be just yet. So for me, I, find, I take it as a very serious responsibility to make sure that I am reaching as many people as possible, that I'm helping people, you know, meet individuals to help get their foot in the door, um, that they are networking, they're finding mentors. I can be a mentor as much as I can um, because it's all about gaining knowledge and gaining information. Everybody's got something that they can give you. And if you're collecting little bits and pieces from as many people as you can, the sky's the limit at that point in time. So the more that we can affect our industry, which is what I love about EAMC, is that if we can get more diverse marketers to understand. So many people don't even know about our amazing con. I love the conference, right? So many don't even know that's a possibility. But we've all seen it. People that get a chance to get an intern. All of a sudden, they, they're meeting in a network, and now they got a full-time job. Now they're managing their own marketing team, you know, five, six, seven years later. It is a powerful thing to just get the opportunity and the chance to talk and meet people. So for me, I'm really, I really try to make sure that if a student reaches out to just have a conversation, I try to do it. I don't get them all, right? Because the times get very crazy, especially during playoffs and whatnot. But I try to reach out to me as I can. If they ask for a conversation, I try to do it. If I can't, make sure my managers make sure they connect and let them know. Because um, again, if they find out one or two things, either it's not for them or, yeah, that I might be a little more curious about it. That's cool. And now 10, 12 years from now, they could be running the whole show. And that that's awesome. So it's a very, it's a very serious responsibility on my end. And for my kids, I want to, I want to expose them to as much as I possibly can. I think most parents do um, from a basketball side, from entertainment side. So my daughter's growing up, she's met, you know, CEOs, um, CMOs, uh, presidents that are black women that are doing amazing things in, in entertainment. So then she knows, Hey, that's a possibility because I've seen, I met somebody that's done it. Not so much as this mythical, you know, level like I thought when I first got in. And even just individuals like, wow, that, that guy's a VP. Like, that's amazing. That's going to take me forever to get there. And I found out he's, he was 32. I was like, wow, okay. But he wasn't like me. So when I started meeting people and saying, okay, the, the door is open. I just need to do these things. Give me advice on how to get there. That's what it's all about, reaching back and make sure we're preparing the future. So let's take you. Let's take you back real quick. Just you know, to to your time when you were entering this, you're a freshman at college, right? And so, so what are you thinking you want to do when you are when you're starting that uh, that first semester? You're balling out. You're you know, knocking a fro. You're crossing up some dudes and then stuffing it home on them. I know what's going on. I mean, I I thought I was a pretty big ball at the time, big man on a little campus, you know. so for me, it was all the balls life. That was it. So I was going to play. I'm going to be a Hall of Famer and all these things and hopefully at least play overseas like that. That was the, the initial goal. And then, yeah, I'll look at sports marketing. That's all anybody told us about was sports marketing. Right? I had no idea what it meant. No idea how to get there. But, yeah, I like sports. I'll get involved with that. So I took a general business communication dual major. It's like, yeah, I can cover that somehow in there. Right. And so I went there. And again, ball was life. Didn't think about anything probably until beginning of junior year. We're like, oh. 
I got like two years. Like, what am I doing here? And the body starts, you know, fail. I realize I'm not getting any calls from any teams or nothing. So yeah. <laughs> I had to get real about this. So at that point, you know, I really started changing you know, my mindset a little bit. Um, basketball is great. You know, taught me so many life lessons. I have some of my best friends from that team. Uh, we accomplished a lot of good things, a lot of awesome memories. But then started really getting serious. Like, what do I need to do? And, you know, freaked out a little bit, you know, because I, I don't have an internship. I have no idea where to find one. And uh, back then, you know, LinkedIn wasn't a thing. You hard pressed to find anybody in a leadership position, even get an email of who they were. But again, got lucky and stumbled upon a uh, the internship with the West Michigan Whitecaps. And that's when my eyes kind of blew up. And I realized that if I could do okay selling baseball, why not look at my passion, which is basketball, as you both know, and um, just started looking. And then I found the NBA job fair that they had back in the day. And um, I'm pretty sure I was only allowed to go because this was like a tail end of my senior year when it was a three-day job fair. And the team was going to the, the national championship the first time in school history that year. And so the last three practices before we go down to Missouri for the tournament was during this conference. Now, I was injured at the time. Not so much where, like, I couldn't dress or play, but I wasn't playing normal minutes. I just couldn't physically do what I normally was able to do. So I'm pretty sure, and again, I'm a firm believer that everything happened for a reason. If I would have been healthy, I don't think coach would have been so okay to let me leave three practices for the national tournament to go to this career fair. And then from there, you know, be able to get some offers. It's funny, you had Deanna Witter, you know, a few months ago. We were at the same conference back then. That, what? That she, yeah, same one. And my oh, former boss, she was there too, where I got a handful of offers from that. So that, that career fair is what opened up everything for me. But again, if I would have been healthy, coach would be like, what do you mean you're missing the last? Yeah, sure. <laughs> three important practices of our school's history for that. But it all worked out. It was great. Uh, so, you know, obviously you said you had your, your internship with the uh, the Michigan Whitecaps. And then you end up uh, with a nice little run in Cleveland. Talk to us about that. Man, I, I tell people now it was like a movie because, you know, you're 22. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to be the number one sales guy from like the next day on. Uh, well, that didn't happen because I I did not get the sales game at all for a good minute. And when I say I came with 15 people, everybody, bright eyed, bushy tail, we're going to sell yep. the world. Right. And uh, when I say I was dead last in selling because you, you're kind of judged on selling season tickets like that's that's the one you get your name on the board back in the day, the whole nine yards. I was dead last out of 15, but not like a day or a week, but a month and a half. So when you talk about like a psychological just search. I was like, what, what did I do? Like, I'm here in Cleveland. I'm not selling anything. Everybody's selling like crazy. What am I, what do I need to do? Uh, but Bob Civic, my manager at the time, was like, listen, you're doing everything we tell you to do. You just have to trust in the process. So it'll come just, just trust in it. And sure enough, it did. And then I was able to kind of catch up and be middle of the pack top portion here and there. But again, I was never the number one guy. I was not the sales star because every class I feel like has that one, two or three people that just get it. Like they're just selling everything. The company excited. Like they're the next big thing. Everybody wants to recruit them to go elsewhere. I was not that guy, but it was the consistency of just saying, you know, I enjoy what I'm doing. Now I'm making a little bit of money. I have an idea just enough to be dangerous on the phone. And now I'm starting to catch wind of what's really needs to happen. During that time, that was, that was LeBron's kind of first come around of the coming out party with, to get to where he is now. Um, so my first year in sports, very spoiled. We made it to the NBA Finals that year against the Spurs. And when you talk about this, this is what the industry is like. This is the best thing ever. I was like, oh, yeah, this all the time. And, um, <laughs> it, it helps when sales happen. Um, we had some very, very good times. Tell you those stories. Probably not on the podcast one day, but 
um, young and dumb, right? Like I made a lot yep. of money that year because um, it was Cleveland's best chance at the time. Like they thought this is it. We're, we're going to the, the promised land forever and years and years to come. We capitalized on that big time, sold quite a bit. I have nothing to show for it because young, dumb, just spending money, making money at the same time. <laughs> but it was a good time. You know, there are memories. I've got some of my best friends. One of my groomsmen was from that inside sales year. Um, some of my best friends in the industry still to this day were from that original class um, that were in the in the casual organization at the time. So it it was awesome. I learned so much and just continued to grow there for the four and a half years I was in Cleveland. It was amazing. So you spent some time there. And then from uh, Cleveland, you headed uh, over not too far away, Detroit. Yeah, yeah, the D. Uh, ended up going there for a sport that I knew not much about at all, hockey. Uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, I took that as an opportunity you know, and wanted to get closer to my wife, who I was just dating at the time. We've been dating for a year and a half, back and forth, long distance. And the time had come to see you know, what, what this really meant. So you know, the industry small. You guys know that. Everybody seems to know everybody. And one of my mentors from Cleveland reached out to who became a mentor um, there in Detroit. And uh, they were just kind of going through the phase of uh, kind of regime change with, with the Red Wings organization. And they were kind of catching up to like what every other sports team had already had in place from like an inside sales look to actually establishing a group sales team. So I was charged with kind of helping that team get started, that department get going. Also meet another woman, Kristen, really got to create what we wanted to at that point. And, and we, we took some monumental steps forward. Then as things continued to change, that's when I wanted, I actually got my first uh, step into management where I was able to get the manager of inside sales role. Uh, which is a really big passion of mine. Kind of like I was talking about opening up doors. I have a real passion for helping people get their career started and giving them, you know, the, the tools necessary to really excel. Finding them, it's almost like being a college coach, right? You're recruiting. You're, you're recruiting against 30 yeah, other teams yeah. in your league and four other leagues at the same time. I love that, right? Like that, that was a really big uh, passion of mine and really fun. And then just watching them grow. And that, that's, that's a really big, uh, one of my favorite times, like when that light bulb turns on and that salesperson, like it clicks and they get it. So got a manager there. Uh, that was a, a crazy seven years there from You're opening up the uh, Little Caesars Arena, right? Huge projects. Like, first of all, out seeing Joe Lewis, I mean, this iconic building that been there seems like for all eternity that people were so tied to. But honestly, Joe, yeah, it wasn't much there. Right. Point of sale <laughs> is I'm getting there after I got there. You know, all the things that you thought are just norm did not exist at Joe Lewis Arena. But hockey barn, that's all they want to see the game. And that's all that matters because all the history, all the nostalgia was sure. there. So I'm glad I saw it. I really did appreciate it as time went on. But then, yeah, the project, the building, uh, District Detroit, Little Caesars Arena and everything going on around it. Craziest time up to that point. Very hard, very difficult. But when it the grand opening was and the first game and, and, and Kid Rock's there with, I think it was six shows going on. It was all well worth it. And I'm glad I got to see it. And honestly, I think it's what started uh, the door to get open for Milwaukee calling here. Yeah, seven years in Detroit. That's awesome. Is that the first time you came to EAMC? I'm trying to remember. Did you come when you were with Cleveland? No, I came when I was in Detroit. So uh, Susan kept telling about this conference that she was going to where she's meeting all the group salespeople she ever could imagine. And they're talking marketing best practices and everything. She's like, what do you what do you mean? Like, she's always so excited. It's like, you should come. And what did it for me, again, the industry, right, was Carrie Troyer was actually my boss at my internship at the West Michigan Whitecaps. So when she said that Carrie, really? oh, I can connect with Carrie again? Like, absolutely. So uh, I went, and, and that first one was in Austin, I believe. I can't remember the year, but it was in Austin. And uh, I was like, wow, this is, I get it. You know, I talk, I, met, I remember you in Austin. Yeah. Try to make an impact a little bit. Just make a few friends. 
I remember you in a mechanical bull. Am I remember a Canada, a mechanical, on a mechanical bull? bull? Yeah. Yeah, I, I bled from that bull because I was so determined to win that somehow <laughs> I ended up getting gouged from the saddle or something. But and then I got second place. I didn't even win, so it was all for nothing. But yeah, it was, that was a memorable year. <laughs> Uh, lots more uh, uh, great memories to come, and uh, congratulations there on the run in Milwaukee and the uh, the World Championship. There had to be a, uh, a exciting time. Was wasn't it the first like championship in like fifty years for the Bucks? Yeah, exactly fifty years. Yeah, which which is kind of all full circle for us. Just uh, yeah, back in the day with Kareem and Oscar and them, uh, fifty years to get there. You know, during the crazy year that it was, and it, it made all the hell that we had to go through. Right, like no fans to 10% to 25%. And we, we changed capacity. I think it was three times in eight days. And when you're dealing with members and you're dealing with marketing, like Dustin had to figure out how we're going to tell the world, like what the process is. It, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. Like that year, like I was a zombie. Like I went home. I didn't know what day it was. Oh, I don't even remember <laughs> my wife. And she said, you, you didn't look like you knew what was going on. I didn't. So when we finally reached <laughs> that buzzer and, and we won, it all made it all worth it. Like the, the, the energy, the emotion just flooded out. And, and, and it meant more than just a championship because of everything that we had to do as an organization. It was beautiful for the city, the 65,000 people in the Deer District. It, it was one of those things you, you can't write and predict. It was, it was a beautiful year. Congratulations. It's been a heck of a run. Hey, I, I know our, our time is ticking here, but before we let you go, I want to hit you with our fast five. It's right. five quick questions. Just looking for your, your instant response. Uh, we heard about your first uh, professional game you went to, but what was your very first concert? My first concert. So I, Phil Collins, believe it or not, because uh, I have a cousin that used to sing background for him. So he invited me and my mom and my best friend up, got great seats, met Phil behind stage. And I was like, this is awesome. So that was, that was my first concert, Phil Collins. How about your favorite concert? My favorite was probably... Uh, also, Phil Collins. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean you, you all know when the jump solo hit, like that. That's just a whole different yeah. level. Yeah. Um, I would say the Roots. They uh, they performed at uh, they performed oh, yeah. at House of Blues in Cleveland, and Questlove was one of my favorite drummers of all time. I used to be a drummer way back in the day, so seeing him, I caught a drumstick that he threw out. Uh, oh. So thank I had a little bit of a vertical at the time, so he signed it. So that's one of my prized possessions. But that that was my favorite one. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. If you could play a game of horse. With anybody, past, present, whoever, uh, who would you who would you play a game of horse with? That's a great question. I mean, I'm I'm George, my best favorite player of all time, but just because he's not here, I'd have to say Kobe. You guy, I had, I had to do that. How about your favorite vacation getaway? If you can uh, get a little trip to go anywhere, where would you go? Anywhere with the beach and all inclusive. I'm not hard to please. Like, give me warmth, give me free drinks and 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 all the food I can eat. I'm a happy man. Last question. Uh, what is the theme song for the TV show all about Paul B? So we get your own Keeping Up With Paul B uh, show. Cameras follow you around. What is the theme song that plays over the opening credits to your show? I mean, one of my favorite songs of all time, this is a throwback, but I feel it's timeless, is um, Rapper's Delight. Yes. Like, old school, like Sugar Hill Gang. Like, I could play that all day. And even if it doesn't even have the words, just the instrumental alone. Yeah. It's it's good energy, no matter what. You got to be happy hearing it. I have a bonus question for you. Uh, what age are you going to stop dunking? 40. I got 40. two more years left. I'm done two in 40. Years. I haven't tried 38 yet, 
have some back issues. It's getting a little bit harder these days, but yeah. Once, once <laughs> just got to wear a little taller platform shoes or something. You'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes some extra energy, uh, some, some pre-workout to get going, but yeah, 40, I'll hang it up. I'm done. I got nothing to prove at that point. Yeah. I've seen, am I seeing uh, for the, I know we're just an audio podcast, but on the video, am I seeing a little salt there with the, uh, the pepper and the goatee? Oh, there's a lot of salt. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm like, I think I'm like 45% there. So it's only a matter of time. My dad's all white everywhere. So he's, I know it's coming. So it's only a matter of time. Uh, Paul B. Hey, if someone wants to reach out to you uh, uh, personally or follow you on social, what's, what's the best spot for them to, to find you these days? Yeah, I would say you can hit me on LinkedIn. That's, that's the easiest one to find, you know, everything there at PBE, PBEE at bucks.com is my email. Um, Instagram, it's P-B-E-E-A-Z-Y. Uh, so PB easy. Don't ask where that came from. I think I got that from my guy, uh, Dan Rosenthal, actually, one of my groomsmen, the one I was in inside sales, he used to call me that. So that stuck. We had those two probably quickest and easiest ways, uh, but always happy to meet, meet more, uh, great people. Very cool. Well, Hey, we really appreciate your time today and, uh, look forward to catching up with you in person at an event and arena marketing conference and, and truly grateful for, for all your work there with, uh, with everything you've done over the years, but especially with, uh, as we're, as we're kickstarting this, uh, uh, DEI initiative, uh, truly grateful to have you on the team. Appreciate it guys. Can't wait to get to June. Yes. It's hey, fun. thank you everybody for listening to Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.